Find us on Songs of Praise, an hour of musical reflection to encourage your heart. He did. 
tasted and the pleasures I have tasted that you were never in and I confess that though your love is in me it doesn't always win me when competing with my Sing the song of Moses and the Lamb 
abiding light and dwell with Jesus evermore. O'er all those wide extended plain shines one eternal day. There God the Son forever reigns and scatters night away. We will rest in the fair and happy land. Just across all the evergreen shore, sing the song of Moses and the Lamb I and I, and dwell with Jesus evermore. Filled with delight, my raptured soul would hear no longer say, though Jordan's waves around me roll, fearless I launch away. In the fair and happy land, just across all the evergreen shore, sing the song of Moses and the Lamb by and by, and dwell with Jesus
Hope you're enjoying songs of praise. Here's some more inspirational music. Just the time I feel that I've been caught in the mire of self, and just the time I feel. My mind's been bought by worldly wealth. 
That's when the breeze begins to blow. I know the Spirit's call, and all my worldly wanderings just melt into His love. I want to know you. Oh, I want to know you to feel your heart and know your mind. Looking in your eyes stirs up within me cries that say, "I want to know you." Oh, I want to.
We shall meet on that beautiful shore in the sweet by and by. We shall meet on that beautiful shore. We shall sing on that beautiful shore the melodious songs of the blessed, and our spirit shall sorrow no more. Not a sigh for the blessing of rest in the sweet shore in the sweet by and by we shall meet on that beautiful shore we shall meet on that beautiful shore
first and second birth. Now my life to Him I owe. Where He leads me, I will go. Ever faithful, ever true. Keep my heart to only You, since I can. Ooh. 
sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains the dying thief rejoiced to see that fountain in his day Songs of Praise continues with more inspirational music. Cherish the old rock 
Listening to Songs of Praise. It's our desire to encourage and uplift your thoughts to our loving Creator God. Patiently I waited, and He heard my cry. He brought me up and set my feet on solid ground. Who seek him rejoice and be glad and give him honor and praise. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. See and 
trust in you. We trust in you.
Join us again next time on Songs of Praise, brought to you by 3ABN Australia Radio, to enjoy more uplifting music. Welcome to 3ABN Australia Radio's book reading program. The book Christ's Object Lessons, written by Ellen White, presents the parables of Jesus in a fresh light, showing their application to Christian living today. In this devotional classic, Ellen White explores the depths of the best-loved teachings of Jesus, offering a deeply spiritual understanding of the parables of Christ as they apply to our lives today. You'll enjoy the practical applications in a way that touches your heart. Listen now as Clive Nash reads. Continuing the chapter entitled, The Pearl. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost was the former rain, but the latter rain will be more abundant. The Spirit awaits our demand and reception. Christ is again to be revealed in His fullness by the Holy Spirit's power. Men will discern the value of the precious pearl. And with the Apostle Paul they will say, What things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss, for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 and 8. The net, based on Matthew 13, verses 47 to 50. The kingdom of heaven is like unto a net that was cast into the sea and gathered of every kind, which when it was full they drew to shore and sat down and gathered the good into vessels, but cast the bad away. So shall it be at the end of this world. The angels shall come forth and sever the wicked from among the just, and shall cast them into the furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. The casting of the net is the preaching of the gospel. This gathers both good and evil into the church. When the mission of the gospel is completed, the judgment will accomplish the work of separation. Christ saw how the existence of false brethren in the church would cause the way of truth to be evil spoken of. The world would revile the gospel because of the inconsistent lives of false professors. Even Christians would be caused to stumble, as they saw that many who bore Christ's name were not controlled by His Spirit. Because these sinners were in the church, men would be in danger of thinking that God excused their sins. Therefore Christ lifts the veil from the future and bids all to behold that it is character, not position, which decides man's destiny. Both the parable of the tares and that of the net plainly teach that there is no time when all the wicked will turn to God. The wheat and the tares grow together until the harvest. The good and the bad fish are together drawn ashore for a final separation. Again, these parables teach that there is to be no probation after the judgment. When the work of the gospel is completed, there immediately follows the separation between the good and the evil, and the destiny of each class is forever fixed. God does not desire the destruction of any. As I live, saith the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn ye, turn ye from your evil ways, for why will ye die? Ezekiel 33 verse 11. Throughout the period of probationary time, His Spirit is entreating men to accept the gift of life. It is only those who reject His pleading that will be left to perish. God has declared that sin must be destroyed as an evil ruinous to the universe. 
those who cling to sin will perish in its destruction. Things new and old. This chapter is based on Matthew 13, verses 51 and 52. While Christ was teaching the people, he was also educating his disciples for their future work. In all his instruction, there were lessons for them. After giving the parable of the net, he asked them, Have ye understood all these things? They said unto him, Yea, Lord. Then in another parable, he set before them their responsibility in regard to the truths they had received. Therefore he said, Every scribe which is instructed unto the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man that is an householder, which bringeth forth out of his treasure things new and old. The treasure gained by the householder he does not hoard. He brings it forth to communicate to others, and by use the treasure increases. The householder has precious things both new and old. So Christ teaches that the truth committed to his disciples is to be communicated to the world. And as the knowledge of truth is imparted, it will increase. All who receive the gospel message into the heart will long to proclaim it. The heaven-born love of Christ must find expression. Those who have put on Christ will relate their experience, tracing step by step the leadings of the Holy Spirit. They're hungering and thirsting for the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ whom He has sent. The results of their searching of the Scriptures, their prayers, their soul agony, and the words of Christ to them, Thy sins be forgiven thee. It is unnatural for any to keep these things secret, and those who are filled with the love of Christ will not do so. In proportion as the Lord has made them the depositories of sacred truth, will be their desire that others shall receive the same blessing. And as they make known the rich treasures of God's grace, more and still more of the grace of Christ will be imparted to them. They will have the heart of a little child in its simplicity and unreserved obedience. Their souls will pant after holiness, and more and more of the treasures of truth and grace will be revealed to them to be given to the world. The great storehouse of truth is the Word of God, the written Word, the book of nature, and the book of experience in God's dealing with human life. Here are the treasures from which Christ's workers are to draw. In the search after truth, they are to depend upon God, not upon human intelligences, the great men whose wisdom is foolishness with God. Through his own appointed channels, the Lord will impart a knowledge of himself to every seeker. If the follower of Christ will believe his word and practice it, there is no science in the natural world that he will not be able to grasp and appreciate. There is nothing but that will furnish him means for imparting the truth to others. Natural science is a treasure house of knowledge from which every student in the school of Christ may draw. As we contemplate the beauty of nature, as we study its lessons in the cultivation of the soul, in the growth of the trees, in all the wonders of earth and sea and sky, there will come to us a new perception of truth. And the mysteries connected with God's dealings with men, the depths of his wisdom and judgment are seen in human life. These are to be found, a storehouse rich in treasure. But it is in the written word that a knowledge of God is most clearly revealed to fallen man. This is the treasure house of the unsearchable riches of Christ. The word of God includes the scriptures of the Old Testament as well as of the New. One is not complete without the other. 
Christ declared that the truths of the Old Testament are as valuable as those of the New. Christ was as much man's Redeemer in the beginning of the world as He is today. Before He clothed His divinity with humanity and came to our world, the Gospel message was given by Adam, Seth, Enoch, Methuselah and Noah. Abraham in Canaan and Lot in Sodom bore the message, and from generation to generation faithful messengers proclaimed the coming one. The rights of the Jewish economy were instituted by Christ Himself. He was the foundation of their system of sacrificial offerings, the great antitype of all their religious service. The blood shared as the sacrifices were offered pointed to the sacrifice of the Lamb of God. All the typical offerings were fulfilled in Him. Christ is manifested to the patriarchs as symbolized in the sacrificial service, as portrayed in the law, and as revealed by the prophets, is the riches of the Old Testament. Christ in His life, His death, and His resurrection. Christ as He is manifested by the Holy Spirit is the treasure of the New Testament. Our Saviour, the outshining of the Father's glory, is both the old and the new. Of Christ's life and death and intercession, which prophets had foretold, the apostles were to go forth as witnesses, Christ, in His humiliation, in His purity and holiness, in His matchless love, was to be their theme. And in order to preach the gospel in its fullness, they must present the Saviour not only as revealed in His life and teachings, but as foretold by the prophets of the Old Testament and as symbolized by the sacrificial service. Christ in His teaching presented old truths of which He Himself was the originator, truths which he had spoken through patriarchs and prophets, but he now shed upon them a new light. How different appeared their meaning! A flood of light and spirituality was brought in by his explanation, and he promised that the Holy Spirit should enlighten the disciples, that the Word of God should be ever unfolding to them. They would be able to present its truths in new beauty. Ever since the first promise of redemption was spoken in Eden, the life, the character and the mediatorial work of Christ have been the study of human minds. Yet every mind through whom the Holy Spirit has worked has presented these themes in a light that is fresh and new. The truths of redemption are capable of constant development and expansion. Though old, they are ever new, constantly revealing to the seeker for truth a greater glory and a mightier power. In every age there is a new development of truth, a message of God to the people of that generation. The old truths are all essential. New truth is not independent of the old, but an unfolding of it. It is only as the old truths are understood that we can comprehend the new. When Christ desired to open to his disciples the truth of his resurrection, he began at Moses and all the prophets, and expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Luke 24, verse 27. But it is the light which shines in the fresh unfolding of truth that glorifies the old. He who rejects or neglects the new does not really possess the old. For him it loses its vital power and becomes but a lifeless form. There are those who profess to believe and to teach the truths of the Old Testament while they reject the new. But in refusing to receive the teachings of Christ, they show that they do not believe that which patriarchs and prophets have spoken. Had ye believed Moses, Christ said, 
he would have believed me, for he wrote of me. John 5, verse 46. Hence there is no real power in their teaching of even the Old Testament. Many who claim to believe and to teach the gospel are in a similar error. They set aside the Old Testament scriptures of which Christ declared, They are they which testify of me. John 5, verse 39. In rejecting the old, they virtually reject the new, for both are parts of an inseparable whole. No man can rightly present the law of God without the gospel, or the gospel without the law. The law is the gospel embodied, and the gospel is the law unfolded. The law is the root, the gospel is the fragrant blossom and fruit which it bears. The Old Testament sheds light upon the new and the new upon the old. Each is a revelation of the glory of God in Christ. Both present truths that will continually reveal new depths of meaning to the earnest seeker. Truth in Christ and through Christ is measureless. The student of Scripture looks, as it were, into a fountain that deepens and broadens as he gazes into its depths. Not in this life shall we comprehend the mysteries of God's love in giving His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. The work of our Redeemer on this earth is, and ever will be, a subject that will put to the stretch our highest imagination. Man may tax every mental power in the endeavor to fathom this mystery, but his mind will become faint and weary. The most diligent searcher will see before him a boundless, shoreless sea. The truth as it is in Jesus can be experienced but never explained. Its height and breadth and depth pass our knowledge. We may task our imagination to the utmost, and then we shall see only dimly the outlines of a love that is unexplainable, that is as high as heaven, but that stooped to the earth to stamp the image of God on all mankind. Join us again next time as Clive Nash continues to read from the book Christ's Object Lessons, written by Ellen G. White. you enjoy the short presentation of how God led His people after the Reformation from lineagejourney.com. West Wilson, New Hampshire. Here in this house, a giant of the faith was born. His name is Uriah Smith. At a young age, he developed an infection in his left leg. And unfortunately, at the age of 12, he had to have it amputated just above the knee. This took place just up the road on the kitchen table, it lasted 20 minutes and no anesthesia was used. 
Like his sister, he was gifted with a brilliant mind and attended Phillips Academy in Exeter, one of the foremost schools of his day. When his father died suddenly, it caused him to think about his own spiritual life and study thoroughly the Adventist message after having lost his zeal after the disappointment of 1844. He went to hear James and Ellen speak in Washington, New Hampshire for the first time and was impressed by the explanation given for the great disappointment. He went home and studied his Bible for three months before making a commitment to renew his faith and rejoin the believers. Soon after, he turned down a lucrative job offer and moved here to Rochester, New York to work for the newly relocated Review and Herald offices. He was 21 years old at the time and would go on to work for the Review and Herald for 50 more years. At the age of 23, when it moved to Battle Creek, Michigan, he became the resident editor. The importance of the printed word at this time of history cannot be overstated. The churches that were scattered around the country would only hear from the traveling itinerant speakers what was happening elsewhere every several weeks. Uriah Smith as the resident editor-in-chief of the Review and Herald was like the pastor of the whole church as people would read his editorials and find out the news of what was happening elsewhere, such as who had died. The Adventist Review was like the glue that kept the early church together. However, he was more than an editor and preacher. Uriah Smith had eight patents during his life, one of which was a school desk that earned him $3,000. He also patented a significantly improved version of the prosthetic leg. He was also a prolific writer, completing 18 books during his lifetime, the most famous and well-read being Thoughts on Daniel and Revelation. In 1903, tragedy would strike the Review and Herald as it was burned down. The insurance only covered a fraction, and instead of rebuilding here in Battle Creek, the decision was made to relocate to Washington, D.C. Uriah Smith, writing shortly after this tragedy, said, in the shadow of great calamity, we are of good courage. The Review and Herald under Uriah Smith's leadership had gone from a small Washington hand press to having hundreds of employees using the best equipment and printing in six languages. On the 6th of March, 1903, he was walking to work here in Battle Creek when he suddenly collapsed. He was rushed to be seen by a doctor, but unfortunately he died a few hours later from a large stroke. A special issue of the Review and Herald was published with his picture on the front, as well as a poem by his late sister Annie that she had written years previously about himself. He was also a hymn writer and his most famous hymn rings with words that echo to our time today. Oh brother be faithful, soon Jesus will come, for whom we have waited so long. Oh soon shall we enter our glorious home and join in the conqueror's song. 
O brother, be faithful, for why should we prove unfaithful to him who has shown such deep, such unbounded and infinite love who died to redeem us his own? To view more episodes in the series, visit lineagejourney.com.